Today, we're going to take a look at how to pray a prayer that we know that gets answered. We're going to take a look at how to learn how to pray over the promises of God. That is why that little text message, 406, 8, 9, 10, whatever it was, that you need to get that into your phones. Because we want to pray, learn how to pray over the promises of God so that we have the assurance that they're going to be answered. I mean, why in the world would anybody want to pray without knowing that they're going to be answered? And we're going to take a look at a prayer in Daniel chapter 9. It is a prayer of hope. It is a prayer for when you are in a crisis. And I want you to take some good notes. You may not be in a crisis right now. I guarantee you this, you will. So I want you to take some good notes because what we're doing is that we are creating a movement in ourselves personally, then to our church, then to our community and world. At the end of this message, I'm going to pray for the families in Florida. And you'll understand why I'm doing this when we get to that point. Are you with me on this? So let's jump in to Daniel. Daniel chapter 9 and take a look at six steps that we see in Daniel's life that assured him that his prayer was going to be answered. The first thing that you and I need to do if we're going to start raising the hope level in our life through prayer over the promises of God, is this, we've got to first listen to God before we speak to him. This is what I call the listen step. You listen to the voice of God. Now, how do you do that? Well, I'll explain. But first, you and I need to understand this principle, which is this, that God always makes the first move in our life. You and I don't. God is the initiator, and we are the responders. We love because why? God first loved us. We give, why? Because he first gave us. We serve, why? Because he first served us. God will never ask you to do anything where he says, you know what, I've never done this before, but I'm telling you, you need to do this. God would never say that. God always initiates and we respond. And this is true with prayer. The reason that we can talk to God about the promises of God that gives us hope, that gives us certain hope, is because God has already told us about them. He has put them in his Bible. The Bible has been written over 3,500 years by 66 different authors And it contains over 7,000 promises from God. He has told us about them first so that we can talk with him about them. And so prayer doesn't start with you and I moving our lips and jabbering at God. It starts by you and I listening to God first. Now how do we do that? Well, the primary way is through God's word. You see, by allowing God to speak to us through his word, we're going to know how, what, when, where, and why to pray with, with the promises of God. This is what Daniel did. Now, I understand this as we get into Daniel 9. That Daniel, at this point in time, he is an old guy. He is 85 years old. 
And if you read the book of Daniel, in Daniel 1, in Daniel 1, he's 15 years old. But by the time we get to Daniel 9, he's 85 years old. And in these 70 years, he has been faithful to God. He he has been promoted again and again and again with more and greater responsibility through three different governments. The Babylonians, the Assyrians, the, the, the Persians. All the while being in a foreign land. He's old. And now he wants to go home. He knows God has said through the prophet Jeremiah that you're going to be in captivity 70 years. And he knows that the time is drawing nigh. And though he has been faithful, he knows that his people have not been faithful to God. And so he is in a crisis. He is looking for hope. He is afraid that God is going to leave him and his people there in Babylon. This is where Daniel 9.1 starts. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, who was made king of the Babylonians by Cyrus. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, was studying the scriptures, and I learned from the word of the Lord, as recorded by Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. You see, Jerusalem had been invaded by the Babylonians, and it had been destroyed. And Jeremiah predicted this, and he predicted that it was going to be 70 years before God would bring back his people to their homeland and begin to rebuild it. But I want you to notice a couple of phrases. In fact, circle these. Study the scriptures and learn the word of God. You see, you and I will never become effective until you and I study and learn the word of God. If you are ignorant of the Bible, folks, you won't know how to pray, what to pray, and when to pray the promises of God. That is why it is important as we start this series and build this movement is that you've got to get this text and you've got to get into God's word at least one verse a day. Now, the series before this, in the beginning of January, if you remember, I asked you to do a spiritual assessment, a spiritual health assessment. And for those of you who did it, bonus to you. You can get out, the not your results, but you can get out your spiritual health planner, a hard copy out in the lobby, Okay. But here's how this ties in. As we go through this year, I am going to help you grow spiritually. And this, in this regards, in God's word, if you're ignorant of God's word, guess what? You just can't pray effectively. So in the planner that's out there, throw this up on the big screen. Can you see that? It says assessment on the top. Assessment questions, crawl, walk, run. Notice at the top when it says, I allow God's word to guide my thoughts and change my actions. Now, some of you only read the Bible when you come to church because I put it on your outlines. And I do that purposely because a lot of our Bibles are set up on the shelf. Oh, I got one of those, but I haven't opened it myself. Okay, I just wait to go to church, hear the preacher preach on it, okay? So you may be in a position where I would call you're just standing. You don't even read God's word. Well, you've got to start if you're going to want to see God answer your prayers. And here's my suggestion. You crawl. Read one Bible verse a day. You get that text. 
When you get that text, you're going to get one Bible verse a day that you can not only read, but you can begin praying over. Now, some of you might already be there. Well, then I would say this. You read your Bible all the time. Read through the whole Bible as a story. Our small group is doing that, okay? Great way to do it. You say, well, I've already done that before. Well, then here's another one. You can run. Study, uh, learn some skills on how to study the Bible. It will help you. This year, as we tackle different subjects in the year of hope, I'm going to be bringing up the spiritual health assessment to help you understand how you can apply it wherever you're at. But you got to start by being in God's word. You see, Jesus gave us a couple of conditions for answered prayer. In John 15, 7, he said this, If you stay connected to me and my words remain in your heart, you may ask any request you want in prayer, and it will be given to you. Jesus gives us two conditions for answered prayer. If your prayers aren't being answered, the first thing you need to do is you need to check out, am I meeting those two conditions, which are these? Am I connected to, to God? And secondly, am I in his word? Am I connected to God? Am I in right relationship with God? Is there anything between me and God right now? And am I in his word and is his word in me? God says, if you're connected to me, if you are a follower of Christ and there's nothing between you and me and you're in the word and my word is in you, I will answer your prayers. Now, folks, this is extremely important. It is extremely important, so much so that I want to suggest that you do what David or Daniel did. He prayed three times a day. If you go through the book of Daniel, he prayed three times a day, morning, noon, and night. You're going to get a text at noon from me, one verse. We're going to start with one verse, and you just pray over that verse. You can pray for it at noon, then before you go to bed, and then the next morning, and then the next day at noon, you'll get another verse. Promises. I guarantee you this, that if you do this, your hope quotient will start to rise because Jesus said, pray and never give up hope. He links them together. Now, I do this all the time. What I am sharing with you is my heart. I have learned to be a prayer warrior for our church. And I'm just passing on to you what I have learned over the last almost 40 years as a follower. Men, if you will do this, I guarantee you, you will become a stronger man. You will become a more confident man. Women, if you will do this, you will become a more courageous woman. And we need women to be more courageous in our culture. Go to the loop as well. Check that off, George. They'll like me now. Okay, good. Anyway, it, this will affect every area of your life, I guarantee you. Now, Daniel's worried. He is in this crisis. He's old. He wants to go back home. But he sees that God's people, they have not turned the corner. And he starts to read the book of Jeremiah. Now, what you need to understand is this, that Daniel and Jeremiah were contemporaries. When Jerusalem was overthrown by the Babylonians, Daniel was taken in captivity to Babylon. Jeremiah stayed in Jerusalem in a broken city. And what is happening here is Daniel is beginning to read this promise from God. Out of Jeremiah 29, you know of this promise. Let me read it. God says this to you. You will be kept in Babylon for 70 years. But then, here comes the promise. But then I'll keep my gracious promise to bring you back to your home again. 
For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans for your disaster. My plans will give you hope and a future. Stop right there. Folks, we all know this promise, do we not? It's where God is speaking through Jeremiah, to Jeremiah and to God's people, saying, you know what, I've got a good plan for your life. It is a plan for hope and a good future. We know this verse, and we want this to happen for ourselves as well, do we not? But oftentimes, we don't understand how it's linked to the next verse. It says, in those days when you pray, I'll listen. Folks, it's linked with prayer. And I want you to pay attention very carefully. God made you for a purpose. And he has a plan for your life. But here's the deal, you can miss it. And a lot of people do. He has promised, if you're a follower of Christ, that he will rescue you. That he will deliver you. That he will get you through it. But there are two factors that are involved in fulfilling the purpose that God has for you in the crisis that you're going through. Will you write these down? God's timing and you praying. Let me explain this. This verse in Jeremiah 29 says, God, God is saying to Jeremiah and to his people, I've got a purpose for your life and I have a plan. And that plan, I'm not gonna cut short. You're going to be in captivity for 70 years, but don't worry. It is a good plan. And when you come back, when I get you back to Jerusalem, then you're going to have to start praying. And when you do, I'll listen. Notice in this verse the sovereignty of God, that God is in control. That he determines the times and the places and the dates, the boundaries of our lives. But when the timing is right, you still have to pray. Because he's not going to answer your prayer without it. James 4 says, you have not because you ask not. God has a timing. He is set the boundaries of your life. He has set the circumstances of your life. And the timing may be perfect, but if you don't pray, guess what? It's not gonna happen. Now this leaves us in a little quandary, does it not? How do I know when I'm waiting on God? And how do I know when God is waiting on me? Well, Jeremiah 29 tells us, if you've asked God to do something significant, something great in your life as you're in this crisis, praying over the promises of God, knowing that there's nothing between God and me. Like Jesus said, hey, if you're connected to me and everything is right between us and you're in the word and my word is in you and it's not happening, guess what? It's God's timing. On the other hand, if I want God to do something significant while well, there's this crisis going on and I've never asked God, I've never asked for his wisdom, I've never asked for his insight, then guess what? God's waiting on you. There is God's timing and there is my praying. So let me ask you a personal question. What is it that you're really hoping for this year. You've got to start the movement. 
What is it that you're hoping for this year? The first step is to listen to the word of God. You better get those text messages because I'm gonna give you three promises over the next four weeks for the 10 most common hopeless situations that people go through and one of them is gonna resonate with you and all you need is one. Step number two is that you focus your attention on God. This is the second step in the kind of prayer that God answers. Take a look at Daniel 9.3. A, so I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him. Will you circle the phrase, turned my face? Now, husbands, I want to give you uh, uh, a major marriage tip, okay? I've been married 44 years, and I think I learned this last year, okay? So, and, and here it is. When my wife speaks to me, I have learned to turn towards her physically and look her in the eyes. That's a, write that down, guys. That's major, okay? And you want to know what happens? She likes it. For years, George, have you heard what I just said? Oh, yeah, you're talking about the kids. Uh, what about the kids? Oh, that you've got great grandkids. No, I wasn't talking about that at all. Oh, well, that's what I heard you say, okay? It's amazing. When you turn your face towards the person who's talking, they know that you've got their attention and they like it. Did you know that you can do that with God? Did you know that you can do that with God through prayer? How, Pastor George? Physically, by lifting up your head like this. God, I'm here and I know you know I'm here. You've got my attention, God. God, I'm looking at you. I'm focused on you. You can keep your eyes open and you can do that. Because the Bible doesn't say that you and I have to close our eyes to pray to God. It's okay if you do that. But you can talk to God. Or you can look at God without closing your eyes. You can do this while you're driving. Okay? In fact, I would say don't close your eyes while you're driving. It would not be be prudent, right? You can pray to God any way you want, or you can do it while you're driving. Just, God, I've got, I'm looking at you. I'm focused on you, God. You see, God wants you, your attention. And there's lots of ways that you can do that. But he wants you to focus in on him. Take a look at Daniel 9, 3a. So I gave my attention to the Lord to seek him by prayer. Will you circle the word seek You see, this is the second way that you pray. First, you listen. But then number two, you seek. Now, in this series on hope, I am going to teach you how to seek the Lord. How to seek the Lord, not just for yourself, but to seek the Lord for everybody in this church. To seek the Lord for for the community that we live in for the nation that we live in. I am going to teach you how to seek the Lord. And I want you to take some good notes because I want to create a movement in us. But before I do, let me share with you just some of the benefits on just seeking God. God, you got my attention. I'm focused in on you. Amos 5.4 says, Seek me and you will what? Live. You won't exist, you'll live. 
Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me will what? Find me. And those who find him have life. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will find me when you seek me. What? With all your heart. God, you got my full attention. Uh, Hebrews eleven six. God rewards those who earnestly seek him. He will reward you. Luke 12, uh, uh, 31, Jesus said this, seek first God's kingdom before anything else. In other words, make God your number one priority and all the other things you need will be given to you. Everything that you need, God says, I'll give it to you. Focus, seek me. I'm your answer. Not your work, not your spouse, not your job. I'm your answer. Now you probably don't realize this, but the pain that you're in right now, the, the, the pain, the stress, the pressure, the tangled up relationships that we have, all that stuff that you are going through right now, you may not realize this, but it is the result of not seeking God. You didn't seek him first. You didn't seek out his wisdom, his insight. You didn't ask him, God, should I buy this house right now? And as a result, you're in over your head. Should I buy this car right now? And as a result, I don't know, you're in over your head. Should I marry this person right now? I had someone come to the service, George. I'm glad you said that because I don't think I'm in a good relationship right now. Oh, talk to God about it. A lot of the pain that you and I go through is a result of us not seeking God. Folks, I would say this, of my life, most of the pain that I experience in my life is not brought on by other people. It's brought on by moi because I haven't had daily conversations with God about those things. Now, do you know what God becomes when you and I don't seek him? He becomes the Burger King God of the universe. You can just have it your way. Let me read to you this verse. Write this verse reference down. Hosea 5, 15 through 6, 1. Let me read this. God's saying this to people who don't seek him. I will return to my place on high, and I'll just wait until they, that is you and me, acknowledge their offenses, that we didn't seek God, that we didn't seek out his wisdom and his advice, and feel guilt and feel their guilt, and seek my face. Then in their troubles and distress, which generally always gets our attention, they will earnestly seek me, saying, let us return to the Lord so that, we, that, that he may heal us. Folks, this is a description of what is going on in the world. This is a description of what is going on in America. This is a description of what is going on in our marriages, in our lives, in our church. And that pain will continue until you and I turn to seek the Lord. As Solomon said, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. So let me ask you this. What needs healing in your life? What are you hoping for? God, I need you to heal my body. I have ignored your loss on how to just be healthy. And I'm paying the consequences right now, God. God, I need you to heal my marriage. 
God, I've ignored your principles. And now I'm suffering the consequences. God, I, I need your healing, God, in my vocation. I need your healing in my family. Let me ask you a few questions. Is it possible that some of the pain that you and I are experiencing right now in our life is the result of us not seeking God? Sure. Let me ask another question. If you could paint this year differently than what you're experiencing right now, how would you paint that picture? And thirdly, is it worth seeking God over the next four weeks as we begin personal renewal? Praying over the promises of God, knowing that those promises, as we pray them, that God is going to answer them in his timing. I sure in the world hope so, because I want to create a movement because our world needs hope. The third thing that we see Daniel doing to get an answer to prayer over a promise is this. You've got to express your desires with emotions. You've got to express your desires with emotions, whether it's about your physical being, whether it's about Spiritual, your spiritual being or emotional or mental or whatever it is, you've got to express your desires with emotions. You see, so much of our time as we talk to God is just ho-hum. It's just cut and dry, okay? It's mundane. God's great. God's good. Let us thank him for our food. In fact, that was too long. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. It's routine. Now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I'm done, let's go to bed, okay? There's no emotion. Now understand something. God doesn't care about the kind of words that you use, and he doesn't care about how many words you may have said. But what he does care about are your emotions. Have you learned that you can say the right words in, in, with the wrong emotions and your spouse doesn't get it? Uh-huh. Why? Because tone is everything, is it not? God is an emotional God. In fact, the reason that you have emotions is because of God. God's happy, so you're happy. God gets sad, so you get sad. God gets mad, so you get mad. God gets frustrated, so you get frustrated. God says, I am an emotional God. And God wants you to express your emotions. You see, God is very emotional about you. Do you realize that? The Bible says that he shouts over you with shouts of joy. God loves you passionately. He loves you with deep, deep, deep emotions. Do you think that the, uh, the, the intensity of your request makes a difference? Sure it does. Well, let's, just say, let's just say that I'm not married and, and I've got my significant other here, Cheryl. And this is 44 years ago. Cheryl, will you marry me? She'd look at me, forget you, Jackson. Cheryl, 
I love you. Will you marry me? Folks, it makes a difference, doesn't it? If you ask God for something and you ask him with intensity, folks, he perks up. God, I've got to have this happen in my life. Daniel comes to God with a deep desire. Take a look at this in Daniel 9.3. And I began pleading with God earnestly in prayer. Will you circle the word pleading? That is asking with emotions. He's not coming to God. Oh, um, God, you know, I'd like to kind of go home. Our people, you know, they, they haven't repented yet. No, he's asking with emotion. He's pleading with God. This is serious seeking. Why? Because God listens to our pleading. Take a look at Daniel 9.3 again. I poured out my heart, bearing my soul to God. Have you ever done that before? You see, what Daniel is doing here is not wimpy praying. It's not, now I lay me down to sleep and pray. It's not wimpy praying, folks. This is gutsy praying. God, I've got to have help in my life. I want to go home, God. And I see that my people, they have not turned the corner yet. They have not repented yet, God. Though I've been faithful, God, for 70 years. God, I need your help. God, I need your help in my marriage. God, I need your help with my kids. I see them straying. God, our church needs your help. The pews are empty. God, help. I need your help. And I'm pouring out my heart, God. I am bearing my soul to you, God. I am being as authentic as I possibly can be. Now let me remind you of something that you have probably already forgotten. Do you know when the last time you did something like that? I can tell you when it was. When you were in pain. You see, it's when we're in pain, oftentimes we, we come to God and we pour out our soul. We bear our soul to him. But my question is this, do you and I have to wait until we're in pain to do that? No. And is it possible that God would have us do that, though we're not in pain, for others who may be in pain, like in Florida? Yes. And do you know what that's called in God's word? It's called crying out to the Lord. Crying out to the Lord isn't about moi. Crying out to the Lord is when you cry out for other people who are in pain. And you want to know, you find this throughout the Bible. And what you see is that when a person cries out to the Lord, not so much about themselves, because Daniel, yes, he wants to go home. No ifs, ands, buts about that. But he's praying for his people. God, may your people get their act together. May they turn the corner, God. We need to come back home to Jerusalem. And so when you and I begin to not just focus on our personal being, but as we begin to focus on others and the world that we live in, God begins to work. And I'm going to teach you how to do this next week. Because God wants, because God listens to the cries of our heart. And this is what Daniel is doing. God, I want to go back home. And God, our people need to turn the corner. I'm 70 years old. I've been, I'm, or I've been here 70 years and I, I'm 85 years old. Now, Jeremiah, this other guy who God used to prophesy, to give this promise to his people, 
that they would come back in 70 years. He said it like this. Take a look at Jeremiah 50, 4 through 5. Then my people will join together in tears to seek the Lord, and they will ask me the way to Jerusalem, and they will start back home again. Will you circle the word tears? That's emotion. That's praying with emotion. This is a touching prayer, isn't it? It's a hopeful prayer. They don't know the way home, but they're asking God in tears, God, show us the way home. God, turn our nation around. Turn our government around. God, turn our church around. God, turn my marriage around. God, turn turn my family around. This is a prayer of hope. Now, when does God answer that kind of a prayer? Notice, when my people join together in tears. It's not just when you do it, but it's when we do it. I'm going to give you tools so that we as a church will not just be praying for our own selves And seeing our personal hope. But how comforting will it be to know that the whole church is praying for the whole church? Folks, we will see God move and act in our church. And it will create a movement that it will go into our community. And it will go into the world because God has said it in his word. When my people come to me with emotions, with tears in their eyes. Let me ask you this question. You know what happened this past week. Did your heart break over that? Did it bring a tear to your eye? You see, if it didn't, you've moved away from the heart of God. Because these kinds of things break his heart. And you and I need to be asking God, God, bring us home to your heart, God. The fourth thing that Daniel did to get answered prayer was this. He demonstrated his seriousness. When you start to pray about something you, something that you need, some significant thing because of the crisis you're in, you need to show God that you are doing business. And Daniel does this in three ways. Two of them are cultural, and one is a universal spiritual discipline. Take a look at Daniel chapter 3. And I started fasting and went without food. To show my sadness, I put on rough clothes and sat in ashes. Will you circle the phrase rough clothes and sat in ashes? Those are cultural ways. I don't know of anyone that does that today, okay, anywhere. Number two, or the, 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 the universal way is fasting. Will you circle that? Jesus says there's some miracles that are only going to happen through prayer and fasting. Not just prayer, but prayer and fasting. Why? Because God is wanting to see whether it's a wish or a whim. He wants to see how serious you are. Now, I don't have the time to talk about fasting right now. We're going to take a look at that next week. As we, as we move from praying over the promises to praying over the promises and fasting over them. But you find people in the Bible, when they got serious with God, that they fasted. Moses fasted 40 days before he got the Ten Commandments. Uh, Israel fasted before they went into battle. Uh, Nehemiah fasted before he did a building campaign. 
Jesus fasted to triumph over evil. We'll talk about that more next week. Don't miss it. But you must demonstrate that you are serious. Next week, I'm going to call us and challenge us to fast one day. Not this Monday, but next Monday. (laughs) This is President's Day. Let's all go have fun. Take a day off. But next Monday, we're back into the workforce, right? So we just fast the whole day. So I'll, I'll teach you about that next week. Anyway, the fifth thing is, is this. If you want to see answered, Daniel did this. I, you need to thank God for his love and his promises. The Bible says when you're looking for some kind of breakthrough, that you're, something that you're hoping for in the crisis situation that you're undergoing, you need to put that request with thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving isn't just a holiday, folks. It is a lifestyle for a follower of Christ. And so you express an attitude of thankfulness. Daniel did this in his prayer. Take a look at Daniel 9.4. Then I said, Lord, you are great and awesome God. You always fulfill your promises of constant love to those who love you and keep your commands. Take a look at Daniel 9.9. Even though we have rebelled against you, you, Lord, are merciful and forgiving. What, God, what Daniel is doing here is he's just expressing his gratitude. And you and I need to do the same thing. In essence, we need to come to God and say, God, thank you that you're God and I'm not. Thank you that you're a loving God. Thank you that you're a generous God. Thank you that you're a faithful God. Thank you that you're a merciful God when I'm not. You thank God for his love and his promises. And then finally, The last step in Daniel's prayer to assure an answer is this. I humbly confess my sin. You see, God doesn't listen to prideful complaining, but he does listen to humble confessing. God responds to humility. As James says, God's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so God says, and so Daniel demonstrated, and you and I do, need to do the same, is that we need to admit our sin. Even though God knows it, and that may raise, well, if God knows it, why do I have to even say anything about it? So that you own humility in your life. When you demonstrate that humility, guess what God does? He will bless your socks off of you. He will forgive you. He will lead and guide you. He will strengthen you because God loves humility. And so we confess. Now, what is confession? It's nothing more than this. God, you're right, and I was wrong. God, that thing that I did, it it wasn't just a little foopaw. It was sin. Daniel did this. Take a look at Daniel 9, 5. We have sinned and done wrong. What's he doing here? He's humbling himself. And as he does, he gets specific. And by the way, you need to get specific too. It isn't just general. Oh, God, I've sinned. No, this is how I've sinned. Well, why do I have to do that, Pastor? Because God wants you to know how you sin so that you don't do it again, okay? And so you get specific. Daniel did this. Let me read this. We have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled, circle that word rebelled, against you and ignored, circle that word ignored, your commands and rejected your laws. Circle the word rejected. In other words, we've made up our own rules, okay? We're gonna follow our own rules. We have refused, will you circle the word refused, to listen to your servants, the prophets who spoke your message to our kings and leaders and parents and to everyone else in our nation. He is being specific. And as he is, he's saying, you know what? It's really all our faults. We're all, Sinners, 
Take a look at Daniel 9, 7 and 8. We have brought disgrace and shame on ourselves because we have been unfaithful to you. This is true of all of us, including our kings, leaders, and parents. We have all committed spiritual adultery from the top all the way to the bottom. Take a look at verse 10. We paid no attention to you when you told us how to live. The clear teaching that came through your prophets. You told us what was right and wrong, but guess, it was clear in your word, but we just chose to ignore it. I'm gonna do what I wanna do, when I wanna do it, where I wanna do it, and with whom I wanna do it. And then in verse 13 and 14, we kept on sinning, never giving you a second thought, oblivious to your clear warnings. So you had no choice but to let disaster loose on us since we persistently and defiantly ignored you. And then here's the summary in verse 16. Now all the other nations mock us. Does that sound vaguely familiar? For our nation, for our church, for our marriages, for our families, for ourselves. Does me. Now, Daniel knows that he doesn't deserve the grace of God and, or d deserve God's blessing, but he casts himself on the grace of God. You see, hope, and we'll learn this after Easter, is built on the character of God. God's word says, we hope in your name. The name of God represents the character of God. And when we get the promises of God linked with the, the character of God, watch out. And so Daniel says this, oh God, listen to me and hear my request. We do not ask because we deserve help, but because you are so merciful. God, you are a good God. And you are good all the time. You see, what is hope? If you remember when we preface, when I prefaced this series in November and December, I said hope is anticipating the goodness of God. Hope is when you and I anticipate the goodness of God, falling on the character of God, listening to God's word, praying God's promises. So what's the result of Daniel doing this? Look at Daniel 9.20. And while I kept on praying and confessing my sin and the sins of my people and pleading with the Lord, and stop right there, he prayed more than once. That's why I want to encourage you. We pray three times a day. That'd be cool, like Daniel. Suddenly, the angel Gabriel appeared in my vision and said, Daniel, I've been sent to help you understand God's plan. The moment you began praying, the very moment that he began praying, his very first prayer, he kept praying because it was about God's timing. An answer was given, and I'm here to tell it to you, for God loves you very much. Let me ask you this. Is your future that you've painted in your mind, that you'd like to see God happen this year, is it worth seeking God over the next four weeks? God sent, Dan God sent Daniel Gabriel. Gabriel is one of the three archangels mentioned in the Bible. One of them was Lucifer. We know he fell. We call him devil or Satan, right? But the other two are Gabriel and uh, Michael. You and I don't need an angel. Though we'd like to watch it on TV, you know. God has sent us Jesus Christ. And he has stretched out his arms on the cross and he says, I love you this much. 
I have a plan for your life. And yes, there's timing, but you and I need to talk. That prayer of Daniel's is a prayer for you and I. And it is the exact formula of another promise that God has given his people. And we're familiar with this promise as well. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name, stop right there, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? This is not for those who may be politicians and like to quote that verse and are not connected to Jesus Christ. This promise is for those who love the Lord, who follow, in, who are following him, who are connected to him. He says this, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways that I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their lands. Every element of Daniel's prayer is found in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. And for the next four weeks, I want to challenge us. Get the text. Let's start praying over the promises. Some of them won't resonate with you. That's okay. One of these in the next four weeks, I guarantee you, will. This is the year of hope. I don't know what you need healing in, but I do know this. As we anticipate God's goodness, falling on the character of God, listening to the word of God, praying the promises of God, God will begin to work. And he will work within you personally and he will work within our church as we pray together for one another. I'll teach you how to do that next week. And we will create a movement that will change our community and this community. Let's pray. Lord, I just really thank you that you are a good, good God. That you are a good God all the time. That you, in your grace and in your favor, in your kindness towards us, have revealed to us who you are through your son, Jesus Christ. That you were willing to go to the cross to die in our place to communicate to us that we matter to you. That the struggles we face in a fallen world, the dreams that we have, the sickness that we experience, that you care about, that you draw close to. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk with God, but God can't even begin to work in you and through you until you drop him from your head to your heart. I did that about 40 years ago. And I was raised in a good Christian family. <laughs> it was just wrote to me. Maybe today you need to drop him from your head to your heart. Maybe it's just been a traditional thing. I don't know. But will you just say this, God, I admit that I've sinned. That I've ignored your ways, God. That I've refused to follow what, I, what you have brought to my mind through your, really through your spirit, through the conscience that you've given me that's clear. I've, I've chosen not to do it. But God, today, I know that you love me, that you died on the cross for my sins. And I want to commit myself to you. I want to drop you from my head to 
to my heart right now, God. If you prayed that prayer, God heard it. Would you just on your communication card, just let me know. Just give me your name, email address, and I'll mail you some literature that'll help you understand what you've just done and to help you to grow what the next step is. Lord, right now, in many ways, our nation grieves over the results of what happened, I don't know, about a week ago, God, down in Florida. And I can't even imagine, God, being a parent, going to that school and not seeing my kids run out and jump into my arms. And we think of those families, God, that have lost loved ones. And we'd ask you, God, you being a God of mercy, a God of comfort, that you would rush in. That through your people, they would know of your care and your concern. That you, God, would help them to grieve and to grieve properly. To express their hurt to you, knowing that they can come to you in their brokenness. And that you won't reject them. And God, we pray for ourselves. That we would be those, your people, who would humble ourselves who would seek your face, that we would be those that we would repent from the top all the way down to the bottom so that you would bring healing, God, into our lives, into our church, and into our nation, God. We ask you to do this. God, we, our land needs hope. We need hope. Our church needs hope. So God, work. In your son's name we pray. Amen.